0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network from across the stars. Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their ragtag crew are here to bring you stories of adventure and excitement from a galaxy far, far away. Get ready for tales of merciless bounty hunters, courageous heroes, and
1: sinister villains. From the Core Worlds to the Outer Rim and beyond,
0: Hello baby. It's about to get faster, more intense.
1: Hello there and welcome back to Faster More Intense for The Mandalorian Chapter 6, uh, The Prisoner. Uh, I'm one of your hosts Michael Cohen and uh, joining me this week I've got Jason Hunt from the Wampa's Layer. Hi Jason.
0: Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Uh, It's been a while since we've been across podcasting mics with each other. It has been. And some people might be a little bit confused.
1: If you're coming over from Rebel Cells and you're like, awesome, Carl's going to be on this episode. I'm really excited for Carl. Well, Carl bailed at the last minute. Uh, I'm just going to call him out. Just straight up call him out because (laughs) that's what he did. Um, And uh, thankfully, Jason had already thrown in and said, no, I'm going to be on the episode, too. Um, uh, which I didn't, I didn't know. Cause I didn't check the schedule. I, I copied over the schedule, a, like a month ago and then didn't update it at all. So I, <laughs> uh, but thankfully Jason is here to save the day as he often does for me. Um, for those who don't know, when you hear, uh, the wonderful introductions at the beginning of both rebel cells and faster, more intense, uh, that's Jason. That's all. It's it's Jason, you've been doing it since Frontlines, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I've uh it was season 2 of Frontlines. You yeah. Matt had joined Frontlines and your intro still only named you and I was like that needs to change and so I made a new intro for you guys. Uh <laughs> Yeah. And that was my first foray into podcasting. I that was way those even before I we started the Wampas Layer, so. Yeah.
1: I um I I love whenever uh, whenever this subject comes up because uh, there are about four or five Star Wars podcasts that exist because of Frontline's The Clone Wars podcast. And... Uh, <coughs> <coughs> sorry, everyone. I've, I've still got a little bit of a cold. Uh, if you listen to Rebel Cells, you would know that, that that's... Uh, it's been bugging me. Or Thunderquack. It's been bugging me for like a week. But... Um, yeah, there's like there's you guys, I, uh, Matt and and Chris Matt Krinke, uh, uh who's on Frontlines with me and and on Rebel Cells with me, uh, uh, but along with Chris, uh, uh, Hoth Ice Planet Smith, um, yes, uh, they started the Sarlacc Pit podcast, um, uh, par- partly inspired by uh, by Frontlines. Uh, yeah, I, I, and obviously Tim and Kyle, uh, along with Paul over on the, on the saga continues that started as well. Like, like the whole crew of, um, like the lot of us that hang out at star Wars celebration when we're all there, um, yeah. like, like a lot of that is because of Frontlines, and that always, always makes me really happy. Cause it's like sometimes when you're podcasting and the numbers aren't ridiculously higher. you're not the number one rated star wars podcast uh you get a little bit like oh man is this even really worth it and then i remember like oh wait some of my best friends on the planet are uh, are are only friends because of of Frontlines and thunder quack and all of that so um so yeah it's always good to jump on and podcast with you jason because you were there from the beginning right like from season yeah. one of Frontlines, it, it was it was your first podcast,
0: right? It was my first that podcast. Yeah. I I what I did was I had gone onto iTunes and pre-ordered the uh, season one of the Clone Wars uh, because I was like I need to be able to rewatch these, and so I was like the only way I can do that right now is to have it on iTunes. So I did that, and when I after I made the purchase, you know the you scroll up to the to the bottom and it says you know since you made this purchase, here are some other things you might be interested in. And I was like. And frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast was on there, and I was like, "What's a podcast?"
1: Hmm. So I, I don't
0: just, know what's a podcast with you. I <laughs> I can't resist. No, uh, oh, that was great. Um, but so I, I clicked on it. I was like, subscribe, and I listened to the first episode. I was like, "Oh, it's like an internet radio show. Cool." And they talk all about Clone Wars or, you know, whatever the topic was that I wanted to subscribe to. So I was like, cool, Frontlines. And then I subscribed to like one or two other podcasts at the time. And, uh, yeah, I got involved. I, I made you guys a new intro because I was like, Matt needs to have his name in the intro. I didn't even ask you guys. I was just like, I need to make this. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you guys had me as one of the uh, admins on the Here's here's dating the podcast, folks. The message board. Oh for yeah, the podcast.
1: <laughs> wow, way back in the day. Yeah, Oof. yeah. Because we're talking like we're talking early days of Facebook. So I yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean like because this is this is two thousand eight two thousand nine. So Facebook yeah. didn't even have groups yet. Um, no. Yeah yeah we had the we had a we had a good old BB message board. I uh, yeah man wow i forgot that that existed until you just <laughs> mentioned it now um that's hilarious uh yeah yeah man we had some good there were some good star wars discussions on there that was a good time that was the beginning of the Thunderquack community really so um, yeah it was yeah uh yeah they, uh, i'll say like if if there's a podcast that you really like Um, And you want to get involved in some way. The fastest way to get involved is to do something free uh, that is of high quality and uh, and try and get the attention of the hosts. And uh, uh, that's a really great way to get in (laughs) with the podcast community, because everybody's looking for free labor all the time.
0: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. On that uh, note,
1: I'll say that that Jason and I were literally just talking before we started recording that I really wish I had somebody to handle social media. (laughs) <laughs> for for Thunderquack specifically for the Star Wars stuff, um, so if that sounds like you, I shoot us an email, man. I, I, I we don't have an email specifically for for faster, more intense, but uh, RebelsPodcast at gmail.com. That'll do it. That that'll that'll get you to somebody. Well, it'll get you to me. But um, yeah, man. I I. Not a lot of news. I mean, like there's tons of news, but it depends on how much we want to get into the nitty gritty of every little TV spot that's uh, come out in the last week. No, um, there's been a lot. I, I yeah, like we, like, I've, we're I've a couple seen, days away.
0: I've seen maybe three of okay. them in the last two weeks. You know that kind of thing. It's, I mean, most of the the footage has already been out there in other in one shape. One, one way, shape or form, um, you know, each each new TV spot gives you like one additional shot that wasn't yeah. in something else. Uh, and I we're close enough to the premiere. I mean, the world premiere is happening right now as we're talking. Yeah. Um, as we
1: speak, there are people watching Star Wars in Los Angeles and I hate
0: them. Uh, just a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah. Um, I got, it, I got my
1: Lucasfilm Christmas card today though. So that softened the blow a little bit, <laughs> just a tiny bit. Cause it's like, I said to Crystal, I was opening it. I was like, I, I came up from, from getting the mail, uh, this evening and was like, I, I, I said to her, I was like, I know that this is the Lucasfilm Christmas card. Cause I've seen like other people have gotten it. I saw it. Um, I think Tracy Canobio had posted it on her Instagram before they sent them out of like, here, this will be, or maybe it was Chris Argaropoulos, but somebody in the, in the, on the PR team, on the press team for, for Lucasfilm posted like a picture, like a video of it of like, Oh, this is the Christmas card that's going out this year. It's really cool, which it is. It's very cool. Um, and, and so like, I knew like, Oh, this is, this is my Christmas card. Um, but, uh, I said to Crystal, I was like, look, I know this is the Christmas card and that it's not an invitation to the world premiere of rise of skywalker but um if it is two tickets how fast do you think i can get down there (laughs) because this was at like this was at like five and i was like if i got on an airplane right now i could probably make it in time it's about two hours um yeah but uh it was just my christmas card but uh but like i said it softens the blow a little bit to be like well I might not get invited to the world premiere, but they do know who I am. So right. like I'm
0: on a list, that, you know? I mean, that's, that's better, that's better than the Wampus Lair gets. We, we didn't get a Christmas card. We we're oh. not on their list. So I, I get my, I live vicariously through your Christmas cards.
1: It, yeah, yeah. I, I attribute <laughs> it solely to the fact that, that we've been around for so long. Like I'm, I'm still getting So uh, Lucasfilm still sends all of their PR emails to me on the Clone Wars podcast email account. Oh, so, like, that, so
0: that's where it comes from. Yeah,
1: so it's a, it, <laughs> like we are on a list because in 2008, or why? Well, guess it would have been like 2010 when I went to Star Wars Celebration as press. the 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 press pool for Celebration Five was small enough that like we were in for everything. Like everything that they did, we got to participate in. So we did the junkets with all of the Clone Wars cast. We uh, we were in the 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 the, the press meetings for uh, for Clone Wars. But that was really all there was in right. 2010. It was Clone Wars. And then two years later, uh, uh, at uh, at Celebration Six, there was the rumbling of maybe there's gonna be some more stuff. But at that point, it was like no we're just going to have more clone wars and there's this thing coming out called star Wars detours. The first season is basically ready to go. You'll see it this fall. Yeah. And then, uh, and then <laughs> two months later, three months later, uh, two months yeah. later. Yeah. Cause it was, it was late August and then, yeah, late end of October, October 31st or October 30th, not, not on Halloween on the 30th. They're yeah. like, Hey, by the way, we just sold star Wars and Lucasfilm to Disney. Um, Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 and then everything changed. Um, and, uh, and, and around the same time, podcasting became dead symbol, simple simple for everybody to do. So, uh, I mean like that's when Kyle and Tim jumped in. That's when like really the beginning of Thunderquack started to happen. Like all of that stuff started forming because it all just started the snowball had picked up momentum. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, definitely. And so
1: now at this point, it's like, I go to star Wars celebration, we get press passes, but, um, and I don't know, we'll see how it goes for this next one. Cause I, I've missed the last two, but, um, we'll see how it goes at the, at the next one. Um, I bought t- like actual tickets this time. Cause, um, I wanted to make sure that I had real tickets to get into panels uh-huh. Um, because everything that I heard from everybody from the last celebration is that press was kind of the last, unless you were part of one of the major outlets, um, it like nobody from any of the podcasts got into any of the major panels. They only got like into the standby rooms and stuff like that. And I imagine that's because they wanted to give the ticket like the the spots because it was all the digital, the online raffle thing, right? They yeah. wanted to give the spots to the actual paying attendees which they should that's exactly how that should work so i was like okay here's four hundred dollars um, let me come in <laughs> i uh, i don't know how that's gonna work with a with a four-year-old and uh and a one-year-old but uh, we'll figure it out but um <laughs> i guess they'll just have to sit on laps but yeah. i yeah i i but i'm sure we'll probably get press passes as well um to to go into the media stuff but um but it's totally different now, because now Star Wars is back in the mainstream. In 2008, when I started, it was, like, dead. Nobody was talking about Star Wars, right? Like
0: Yeah, except the diehards.
1: Yeah, and you can tell now how many people missed Clone Wars and Rebels. Rebels especially, because Clone Wars had the theatrical release, so people at least know what it is. But Rebels, a lot of people missed it, because with Rebels... Like and then Clone Wars was on Cartoon Network, which a lot of people already have for other stuff, or or it's part of their cable package. But if you don't have Disney Channel or Disney XD, Rebels was on Disney XD, and now Resistance is on on Disney Channel. If you're not, if you don't have those, which if you don't have kids, it's like uh, I would say it's probably a thirty percent chance that you've got Disney Channel, because then you're just a weirdo like us, right? <laughs> but um. Nobody was really watching Rebels. Nobody's watching Resistance, that's for sure. Um, But uh, uh, you can tell now with Disney+, Plus how many people are picking that up and going through Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, Rebels in particular, because all of a sudden there are all these people who are like, Star Wars Rebels is really, really good. And I'm over here like, yeah, Yeah. no... Duh, I've been saying that to everybody. So many of my friends where they're like, man, that Star Wars Rebels really is good. And I'm like, yeah, thanks for listening to my opinion at all. Uh, You know, I only podcasted about it for four and a half years. Like (laughs) I only like I still bring it up in conversation on almost every podcast all the time because those characters like I went into Star Wars Rebels going like, well, maybe this will be okay." I I I don't know. I really wish that there wasn't a Jedi in it. I wish that it was something like a little bit different. Um, and then like, cause they're like, "Oh, here's Kanan the Cowboy Jedi," and I was like, nah, "I'm not sold. I don't like this." And then come out of it the other end, and I'm like, "Kanan Jarrus is one of my top three Star Wars characters of all time." Like, he's
0: pretty freaking cool.
1: Yeah, and I've been going through a, on my rewatch. I I just cause like I I've been working on these these uh, art pieces. If you go over to uh, uh, at Archangel Wolf, A R uh, K A N G E L W U L F, on Instagram, um, or if you just find find me on Instagram at ark Wolf, you can see in my stories because I post them every day. Like I repost them onto my stories every day. But uh, I'm doing nine characters, nine Star Wars characters for for Episode Nine, um, like in the lead up, in the nine days leading up. Uh, so I've been posting these every day and I've been working on them. And while I work on them, I, uh, I, am actually working on one right now as we podcast. I'm drawing Han Solo right now, but Perfect. I, I've been watching, like I've been, I like this morning I binged like six episodes of rebels and in the midst of it, I tweeted star Wars rebels is the best star Wars. There is full stop, like just <laughs> full stop. Um, <coughs> and I stand I stand by that. Like, it is top-tier Star Wars storytelling. It's long-form, so it's not a movie. It's different from a movie. And I think that some people find that hard to swallow because they think of it as, like, echelons, right? It's like, oh, the movies are up here. The movies are the most important. They're the best thing there is. And then you got the TV shows. And then you got comic books, and then you got video games, and then you got, or I guess you would have novels before comics, and then and then comics and then video games, whatever, right? Um, yeah. Uh, Happy Meal tie-in stories are, are probably last, uh, as they should be. Yeah, as they should be, <laughs> but um, to me, like that, that divide and that that kind of categorization, I think hurts. Star Wars as a property because then people go like, they go into solo and they're like what Darth Maul's still alive and it's like yeah,
0: yeah. Uh,
1: and if you didn't know that and you're confused by that guess what that's on you because Star Wars is awesome in all forms not least of which is the animated stuff. Wow. Um and if you're not up to speed on that then you're not up to speed on Star Wars. And I'm like I'm just so tired of making excuses because all these people come into the fandom and want to crap all over The Last Jedi and Solo which are two of the best pieces of Star Wars storytelling out there. And uh and it's like, well, it's the Cassian Andor thing. It's like I've been in this fight since I was 6 years old. Like <laughs> you're new. Or you're not necessarily new, but like you're casual, and uh, and I say that with a little bit of derision, and I and like it the thing, you can be casual if you want to come in and just enjoy, right? It's like if you want to just be like a casual video gamer, and like come in and like you know call, a new Call of Duty comes out, you pick it up, you play through the story, you play like, you know, thirty hours of multiplayer, and then you're out, and that's it. That's cool. And you just come in, you enjoy yourself when you stop enjoying it, you're out. Uh, That is totally fine. But if you want to come in and if you want to do that and then come in and have like harsh critiques of an art form uh, or a genre or a specific uh, uh, fandom, then uh, you better devote yourself a little bit more time because coming in and being like, Oh, this is incomplete storytelling. It's like, no, it's not. Star Wars is more than just movies. (coughs) <coughs> get over it <coughs> like that. Yeah. That's kind of my thing now is like, if you, if you're not on board for everything, then, then like, then that's on you. So I don't read a lot of the novels. I kind of listen and go like, okay, is this going to be an important one? So like resistance reborn, obviously important. Um, yes, I, uh, I'm just, I'm actually just listening to, um, to battlefront, uh, inferno squad um, Cause I love that story so much from that game. Coming off of Jedi Fallen Order, I was like, I want more of that, but there isn't more of that. But there is more of Battlefront that I haven't done, and Battlefront's a terrible game, but the story from Battlefront Two was awesome. So I was like, okay, I want more of that character. I want more of Iden Versio. Um, so I jumped into that. When I'm done that, I'm gonna go into the Black Spire Outpost, the one, the one that's about uh, uh, Vi Moradi. Um, because like in preparation for going to, to galaxy's edge in, in August, I got to know everything there is to know about black Spire. Like you, like it's, it's a matter of like, you, if you're going to do a thing, if you're going to watch a movie, if you're going to watch a TV show or read a comic book or whatever, you got to get all of the stuff around it. Right. But yeah, like, uh, like I'm selective about which things I'm going to, I'm going to invest my time in. Cause I only have so much, but that Like, that means that when I rub up against, um, what was it? There was some, oh, there were in, in Resistance Reborn. There was a bunch of stuff in Resistance Reborn that was like, oh, and then there's this character, and then there's this character, and there's a pretty important character that I guess was introduced in, um, I want to say Starcrossed. Uh, which was a novel that came out around the time of the Last Jedi, maybe, maybe it was the Force Awakens. Oh, but the it's...
0: Um, the Claudia Gray, quote unquote young adult young novel. Yeah,
1: yeah, that one. Yeah, that um, one was actually pretty good. Was it okay? Yeah. So like yeah. I haven't, I haven't, I don't read the books. I listen to them on audiobook. Um, yeah. Same here. Yeah, but I haven't listened to that one yet. And there's a character that's really important in in uh, Resistance Reborn that comes out of that novel and i'm like okay well i don't know this guy's backstory but apparently i'm supposed to so i'm just gonna go on wikipedia and figure it out because that's on me for not having read that
0: book i don't know if i don't which character he's a
1: twilight x-wing pilot from back in the day and he's like a he's he's like an important guy in in, on ryloth in yeah yeah yeah,
0: he um I think he's from uh, Bloodline. There's a lot of there's a lot of carryover uh, in this book from Bloodline, Mm -hmm. uh, which is the Princess Leia book. Yeah. So that's that's kind of essential reading if you really want to get the full experience out of um, uh, Resistance Reborn. Which you do
1: because Resistance Reborn, I feel like, is going to be really important for Thursday. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, bringing it full, you know, bringing it back around yeah. to the fact that people are watching Frickin' Rise of Skywalker right now at the world premiere. Yes. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. your news. And that's Absolutely. your news segment, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's the news today. Uh, yeah,
1: let's let's jump into what we're here to talk about, which is uh, Chapter 6 of The Mandalorian. Uh, directed uh, this week by Rick Famuyua, uh, his uh, second episode. Uh, and uh, written by Christopher Eliost, who's actually a Marvel Comics writer. Um, coming over to to play in the Star Wars Playground with much success, I might add. Um, and also the teleplay is also credited to Rick Famuyiwa as well. Um, but uh, just before we get into sort of our our highlights of the episode, overall, what did you think of this one?
0: Oh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, yeah. I have not been disappointed by an episode of The Mandalorian yet. Um, and this episode was no exception. Uh, overall thoughts, I won't get into the specifics, uh, but uh, very fun. Uh, this had all the great goodies for uh, longtime Star Wars fans in terms of cameos and, and other sort of things. This was like, uh, you know, Halloween trick or treating around, you know, the Star Wars galaxy and seeing all the cool characters and people um, this episode. Very happy um was it fan service probably a little bit probably a little bit but i'm okay with that and it was the right kind of fan service for this fan uh and i was not disappointed
1: i i I talked about this a little bit on rebel cells uh last week because i haven't been on faster more intense since the second episode um just because like there's so much going on for me podcast wise right now that it was like okay i gotta I gotta I gotta take a back seat on this one and I'll let everybody else kinda carry the torch until I'm until my schedule clears up a bit. Arrow is done until January, so I, I'm free and clear for the Mandalorian for the rest of the season. But um I so I, I talked about this a little bit on on Rebel Cells, but I'll I'll talk about it here as well, just briefly. Um I think I think there's a there's a misconception of what this show is supposed to be. Um, uh-huh. And and I'll admit that like I was in that same camp, I I before the show premiered, I thought this was gonna be um, Game of Thrones for Star Wars. I thought we were gonna be in for like an intense, dramatic, action-packed episode every week, with convoluted storylines and all of these characters. When you look at the cast and everything, it was like, oh man, you've got all these great actors coming in. Um, and some like like heavy hitters like Giancarlo Esposito and uh, I <clears throat> you know uh, with Carl Weathers and stuff like that where you're like okay cool like this and and Werner Herzog obviously like this yeah. show's gonna be this show's gonna be super serious and <laughs> then first episode ends with Baby Yoda and I'm like hold up what is this show right. And... And very quickly, like, pivoting and going like, oh, this isn't, this isn't Star Wars, like, Game of Thrones via Star Wars. This is live-action Clone Wars.
0: Yeah. This is, this, Star, this is Wars, Star Wars Rebels. Like, this this is, is Star Wars on TV. This is yeah. streaming Star Wars. This is long-form live-action Star Wars. That's all it is. Yeah. and um,
1: And I think that people are still waiting for the show... To come out of some sort of a chrysalis and emerges this beautiful, uh, dramatic, very self-serious form of storytelling, <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, "You guys, this is a kid show. This is a this is a show for 13-year-olds." Uh, and if the 13 year there is a very loud
0: one inside me, <laughs>
1: yeah. If the and I was gonna say if the 13-year-old in you is not like that was pretty rad then the 13-year-old in you is lame because this show's pretty yeah. rad. Um it is. and there's people like like man, I don't know about these performances. This acting's not so great. <clears throat> and I'm like what did you what do you do you are you expecting are you expecting academy award performances from characters on this show? Cuz like honestly, I would say we do have one and that's Werner Herzog. I think that I think they will get another great performance when Giancarlo's character shows up, hopefully next week or the week after.
0: But in I, general, I'm, based on what his care who his character is, I'm theorizing he'll be saved for the finale. Um, you think so?
1: You yeah, don't think I, that we're going to get into like a two-parter sort of thing like how the first 3 uh... episodes were very connected?
0: Oh, that's possible, but if, you know, at the very least, my guess is that we'll sort of lead into whatever the the finale is going to be, and if he does show up, it'll be second half, maybe the end of next week, or Mm. (laughs) this week, I should say, Wednesday's episode. Um, Oh, I guess we should probably Uh, tell people that in the news. Tomorrow
1: night, Uh, yeah, Yeah, I I mean, like, if you're like me and you stay up until midnight to watch, because you don't want to get spoiled— then, yeah, uh, the next episode of The Mandalorian will be up tomorrow night at midnight because it airs Wednesday. I, I If you're listening to this podcast on the day of release, then tonight. It's up tonight yeah. at midnight. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's early this week because of The Rise of Skywalker. Um, yeah. They don't want to cannibalize either audience, so they want to make sure that the streaming numbers are there for Mandalorian, um, but also that, like, go out and watch rise of skywalker see... on friday yeah. um yeah, yeah. so i uh, i mean like honestly it wouldn't have affected anything for me i would have gone to see rise of skywalker at six o'clock is when our screening is i would yep. have been home probably around 10 30 ish at night and uh and and then would have been like cool I got a, got an episode of the mandalorian in an hour um <laughs> but i uh, but instead it's just like i'll watch it tomorrow night and then be just amped up for more yeah, <laughs> for Star Wars. <coughs> yeah, sorry, so, this is horrible podcasting with my voice like this, but I can't really. Ugh. it's uh, it's just gonna come and go, but uh, uh, yeah. yeah so um,
0: I think I, I think to finish my thought, I think John yeah. Carlo you know, if they do have a sort of two-parter, um, he'll show up second half, maybe final third of next of the next episode, and then we, you know, the main antagonist for the final episode um but if they don't do a sort of a a two-parter finale then i he's just gonna be in the last episode is my theory that's your Um, guess that's my guess yeah no no proof for any of that theorizing i'm just oh yeah it's totally just spec but um
1: that's what we do that's otherwise why have a star wars podcast
0: exactly
1: uh, yeah (laughs) um yeah, I don't know. Like, I yeah, people, like, I hear a lot of chatter of, like, where's, the, what's the, what's the main thread of this show? And the main thread of this show is that he's the Mandalorian. Yep. that's And
0: he's on the run
1: with Baby Yoda. Yeah. And, and people are like, oh, each episode, like, every week, like, nothing happens. And I'm like, no, every week we learn a little bit more about who this character is. And we see a little bit more of his backstory and what, and who he is now and the juxtaposition of that. And I think that this episode is so perfectly placed in the season to show us the world that he came from before the season started and yeah. how much this experience has changed him. Yeah. And uh, in a similar way to Han Solo, I think brought him back to who he really is. Right. Yeah. So, it it we didn't really get the full picture of this until Solo came out, but it, there was always hints of it in the original trilogy. Uh, certainly, by the time that we got The Force Awakens, we got the idea that Han was never the character that we were introduced to uh, him as in in A New yeah. Hope. Yeah, he he was playing a character. Exactly. Yeah, like he's he that's bravado, and that was him putting up defenses because of how much he had been hurt over the years by other people. And the only person that he really trusts is Chewbacca. Right. And, and then we see the force awakens. We get a little bit more of that, a little bit more of a glimpse into that. Is he like, he's hurt again in his life. And what does he do? He retreats back into that persona. (coughs) And then solo comes out and shows us where that begins. Right. And how much he was actually like Luke. From the very beginning, um, and so when Luke is on the ship and he's like, "What's that flashing?" and he smacks his hand away and he's like, "Watch it, kid! Or you're gonna find yourself floating home, right?" I yeah. uh, that that and then you pair that moment with um, uh, when Ray is on the ship and they're coming into Taco Down and she's like, "I didn't think there was this much green in the whole galaxy," and he looks at her like how do I find these kids Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) you just attract them yeah
1: um and he just kind of like he sees that kindred spirit and remembers who he was again like like history repeats itself and once again he picks up this earnest kid and is like oh yeah oh geez I'm supposed to be one of the good guys aren't I and he, yeah. and what happens? He ends up sacrificing himself for 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 the cause, right? Um, like to hopefully save his son. But, um, you know, this isn't this podcast isn't about Han Solo, but that I say all of that to bring it back to the Mandalorian and to look at that character and what we know of him already. Um, uh, where he came from, uh, he came from a family that obviously cared about him. Um, like that's kind of the implication that we get, uh, in, in sanctuary, we get a little bit more of that and a little bit of an idea of like, he wants to leave the child there because he looks at this and he goes, this is how a child should be raised. Right. Not in the life that I was raised in. Right. right. Because I, like, and, and I think even going all the way back to the first episode when he gets his bounty, um, and he goes, to the 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 rest of the mandalorians and uh, i <clears throat> actually, i actually guess it's when he gets the the first piece of beskar right and he goes in and and gives it and you know like all oh, the the excess will will serve us well and and he's like don't forget the foundlings like they're important and that's yeah. we're obviously talking about kids orphans probably who've been taken in by the mandalorians uh, to be raised as Mandalorians, but uh, uh, because they have nowhere else to go, and he like clearly that is important to him, and that's why he's done what he's done and sort of forsaken everything for this child, and also why the rest of the Mandalorians jump to his aid in oh. in the third episode.
0: And right? I and I think I think what we what we went into this show with was a incorrect assumption about who this character was. We assumed he was going to be this hardcore, you know, cold, I, you know, ice cold bounty hunter, yeah. but his identity is actually Mandalorian first bounty hunter section. Second, the bounty hunter job is to make money so he can survive. So he can continue to, to, to subsist and, and, and live, but he's a Mandalorian first at this yeah. point. Um, and I think that's, kind of what we've we really discovered you know (laughs) right right about episode three chapter three is when we kind of realized okay he's not really a bounty hunter that's not his primary identity his primary identity is mandalorian um and and there's a deeper reason as to why he is and we're still figuring that out um What I've really appreciated about the show, and I've said this numerous times in various places, is the fact that it is taking its time. Um, A lot of shows, you know, made for TV or whatever, have to rush to get their information out there because they never know if they're going to have another season or whatever. Um, And or they they have to make sure that, you know, there's one episode that deals with the entire backstory of this character or whatever, Mm -hmm. so that uh, they can then move on to other things. Um and this show is like, no. Why would we do that? We're gonna take just as much time as we need for each episode to have the full the fulfillment of its story. Um and we are going to drop little hints along the way yeah. um as to who this character is, what he's about, where he came from, and it's not gonna all make sense until we have the chance to go back and watch it all in a row afterwards. You know, it, it, it's you know, there are little nuggets dropped along the way. And like you said, this is this is showing us the past that the Mandalorian had this episode and how far he's kind of come from that, how far this this experience with the child has changed him yeah. and uh, or brought him back to who he really is. Um, and and that's really the point of all this, this episode. And it's it's subtle. It's not in your face. We're not showing we're not going, you know, but big neon lights saying, see, this is the character development part of the episode, Mm -hmm. you know, and I really appreciate it's bold storytelling to do it that way.
1: It's a it Uh, is it is so much show. Don't tell. Yeah. And it's so much show. Don't tell to the point that I feel like a lot of the audience is actually missing the story. They're actually missing the plot and it might almost be to the show's detriment at how subtle the, the sort of, it's almost environmental storytelling because so much of it has to be inferred from the characters that he's with and the way that he interacts with them and how his, how he changes depending on who it is. So like think of how he interacts with Kara Dune versus how he interacts with the rest of this team. Yeah. Right. Where like with Kara Dune, he recognizes you have a code of honor. You are mercenary to a degree in the sense that you're a soldier. You're a born soldier fighter. Yeah. But like, that is what you are here for, but you fought for the rebellion And then when the rebellion became the status quo and became the new Republic and you weren't fighting, you were doing detail, right? Yeah. Like you were like, nah, this life isn't for me and made for the outer rim. Right? Like he go, okay, no, that makes sense. You're a person that I can trust. You're a person with a code of ethics as opposed to this group where he's like, I don't know any of you. The only thing I do know is that I shouldn't trust you. And And, and the one, he, and
0: the and the two people that he does really know yeah. in the initial group, he's like, I won't, I can't trust you farther than I can throw you.
1: Yeah, you know, and and he does he does let his guard down a little bit too much just in the interest of getting the job done, um, right? Partly because I think he's the only one getting the job done at a certain point in this episode, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, like like they would not have pulled this off without him. Nope. But um, but yeah, like it it really just sort of exemplifies. Um, what kind of a, what kind of a man he is underneath that mask. Um, and also like, like what, how he got his reputation. Um, so yeah, like that, that storytelling to me is so subtle. It's so much of it is the subtext of, of the way that people talk about him or, and the way that, that others interact with him versus how he interacts with them. And then juxtaposing that with every other character. Right. Yeah. Um, and just like there's 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 this persistent myth of the Mandalorian that keeps coming up yeah. and and then the reality of it is that what it really comes down to more than anything else is Beskar. Like, <laughs> yeah, is he a tenacious fighter? He doesn't give up, that's for sure. He's clever, um, but he'd have been dead a long time ago if it wasn't for that armor. Yeah. Um, He wouldn't be able to. He wouldn't be the unstoppable force that he is without the armor. So, that's like it's such a big part of that myth of the Mandalorian. And then inside of that armor is a man who who has a code of ethics, and that's what that's what differentiates him from the rest of these bounty hunters. Um, But let's let's get into the actual like beat beat for beat. So we start off on this 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 um, small space station of some sort. We're introduced to to an old friend of, of the Mandalorians. Uh, and, uh, and obviously he's there, uh, <coughs> for, <coughs> sorry for a job. Um, yeah. And we get a little bit of the details of it. It's a, uh, someone got, someone got pinched. Uh, we're initially led to believe by, a, by a rival cartel.
0: Yeah. And,
1: uh, and, and the, they need the Mando to, to get him out. Um,
0: Meadow and more importantly, <clears throat> his ship.
1: Yeah. More, most importantly, his ship. That's really what they're after is yeah. the razor crest because it's not on any of the old Imperial or the new Republic. Uh, uh, logs basically it's a, it's, yeah. uh, they refer to it as a ghost, which I thought was fun. Um, <laughs> so I, I were introduced to, to I, the, who is meant to be the leader of this uh, ragtag group of, uh, of bounty hunter mercenaries uh, Mayfeld played by Bill Burr played excellently by Bill Burr, by the way. Yeah. I mean, like this is, this is both a triumph of like, he's, it's a great performance from him, which like, I'm vaguely familiar with him as a comedian, not super familiar, but I'm not really um,
0: familiar at all. But my brother knew who he was.
1: Yeah. Uh, but he does a really great job in this character. And I think the main reason is that it's just excellent casting it's just perfect casting for this character specifically. Yeah. Um, he's just got the right mix of sort of ruthlessness, but with a, a like that sense of humor, uh, that that really good comedic timing that that definitely adds to the episode. Um, yeah, I like it exemplified when uh, when uh, the the one guy is is talking to the Mando and he's like, "Oh yeah, you used to be a stormtrooper." And he's like, I wasn't a stormtrooper, wise-ass. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> so perfect. Um, like, you kind of learn everything you need to about this character. He's got a chip on his shoulder, yeah. but it uh, sounds like he like he's not one to mess with. Yeah. Um, and then we get introduced to Berg, the muscle. Uh, again, played excellently and cast perfectly uh, with uh, Clancy Brown. Uh, yes. Who... Might be familiar to Star Wars fans as a little character, Savage Opress. He was mm-hmm. also a character. He was, um, oh, what was his name in uh, Star Wars Rebels? I can't remember. I'm not going to remember.
0: Oh, uh, was it um, Azadi? Governor Azadi? No, no. S- something like that. You're really close. Yeah, yeah, something like that. He was he was the former governor of Lothal yeah. who was ousted. Yeah,
1: um, and he was pretty good in that as well, but certainly that's not as important as Savage. Uh,
0: right. I,
1: I, but uh, yeah, so. Uh, and of course, Clancy
0: I, Brown has been in a ton of other geek oh, related. Yeah. I mean, projects. the greatest Lex Luthor of all time. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah definitely. None. Yeah.
1: Um, from uh, from the the DC animated universe. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's great. And and the character is just perfection, in my opinion. Uh, we'll talk about that more later in yeah. the episode, but. Uh, then we get introduced to Zero, voiced by Richard E. uh who people might remember from the IT crowd. It took me a minute to place his voice, but when I did, I was like, perfection. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we meet. Uh, 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 is it? How's it pronounced? Is it pronounced Shean?
0: Yeah, Shian. That's yeah. that's how the Mandalorian said it.
1: Um, who is played by Natalie Atena, who is Nymphadora Tonks in the Harry Potter series, as well as Osha from Game of Thrones, the Wildling. Uh, that's with uh, the younger Starks um, uh, in the later seasons of that. Um, not great, in my opinion. I found her like I feel like they gave her her makeup and she looked in the mirror and went oh this is the character and and so there was a lot of stuff with her tongue and baring her teeth and i was like this does not vibe with what i know about twilex um, but i i obviously she 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 thought that this was the the right way I'm, to go about it so
0: i i kind of liked it because she was just kind of crazy kind of out there and, and, you know, like, like she's, you know, three fries short of a happy meal kind of a deal, (laughs) um, uh, which, you know, was, was a nice, you know, additional, I don't know what you want to call it. Like layer to the, you know, to the Mm -hmm. whole bowl of crazy. We were getting the Mandalorian into, you know, we had the the guy with the chip on his shoulder. We had the muscle who, you know, really kind of wants to, you know, put the Mandalorian in his place. We've got the droid that the Mandalorian absolutely cannot stand because it's a droid. And then we got the crazy girl that uh, apparently they had a fling with when he ran with the group, you know, mm-hmm. years ago. So, um, yeah, that was, you know, it, it was, it was all kind of a, a, a neat thing. And, and of course, when, you know, skipping ahead when her brother gets introduced as the the character that they're rescuing, he's kind of also off his rocker a bit too. So um, I think the two of them played kind of, you know, similarly like that and, and it yeah. worked for me. Um, but yeah, she, she definitely got into the makeup for her character. That's for sure. The makeup really kind of helped her to define what she did.
1: It very obviously informed her a lot of her acting choices. Um, yeah. Those teeth, especially, I think really made a lot of the decisions for her. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> Which, I, I, as someone who has put has gotten into a really elaborate costume once before for a play, I can I can see where that comes from. So I, yeah. I can't falter for that. <laughs> no, and it, and if you're not intimately
1: familiar with with the lore of Star Wars as we are, then then you know these are logical assumptions to come to when you've got fangs, um, right? That you should act somewhat bestial and animalistic. Yeah.
0: Well, you got Burr growling every three yeah. seconds and then she's hissing and it was it was kind of funny. It added a weird sub, you know, soundtrack to the the episode. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I uh, the, the as we mentioned before, the plan is a prison break um, and we go through the plan. And basically, what we need is is the razor crest in order to perform this maneuver. Um, but uh, uh, the Mandalorians doubtful. But, uh, but the droid can pull it off. He's, uh, he, 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 he comes highly recommended, uh, with, with good references, I guess. Um, yeah. so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's our plan. We're going to bank in this way, stay in their blind spot. And, uh, and if we get in, then we can scramble their code or whatever and get in and basically slice in to the, to the port, um, yeah. to the, to the airlock and get into the ship. Um, and uh, and and it should be fun for the Mandalorian because the entire ship is apparently just manned by droids. Yeah. Um, so so no worries about about you know having to murder people or whatever. It's just robots. Right.
0: And and he can take out as many of them as he wants. Yeah, but he <laughs> objects
1: because it's this is a New Republic prison ship, and he doesn't want that kind of heat.
0: But yeah.
1: Uh, but uh, the 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 guy giving him the job. Uh, is basically like, yeah, well, that's the point. Don't get caught, and you know, no heat. Um, but uh, that's not really great. That's not that doesn't instill confidence. No. But, uh, but that's all right. Um, so they get on the ship and they head out, and uh, uh, there's some tense moments. Berg opens up the the weapons locker, which we've seen a few characters interact with, yep. and uh, and he's he thinks it's pretty. Uh, it looks pretty fun. Kid in a candy yeah. store, and then the oh, Mandalorian no. comes and interrupts him. Yep. Um, and this basically, uh, all of this sort of interaction, the, them wanting to see what's under the mask, all that stuff, essentially leads to the the door to his quarters getting open and us revealing that's where he's keeping the child, so right. that nobody sees him. Um, and that uh, we get into it. It gets. Uh, it, it it gets a little bit more tense yeah. cuz you're like ooh this guy like cuz uh Mayfeld is kind of manhandling the child and we're kind of not happy about that just as an no. audience I think
0: No right? I mean and and of course he's talking about it like you know the child is like he's a pet or something yeah. and and which is just you know rude first of all yeah. um but you know he's also talking about it like he's going to take him from the Mandalorian. And, you know, and that doesn't sound right. Cause it doesn't, he doesn't say, sound like he's doing it out of any altruistic motivation. And he's just, you know, of course he's doing this all just to get under the Mandalorian skin to provoke him into doing something so that they can get something out of the Mandalorian. Yeah. But he really doesn't care Yeah, but he's doing this to provoke the Mandalorian into doing something or revealing something, uh, and also just to kind of, you know, flaunt the fact that he's the one in charge, you know, even though this is the Mandalorian ship and he's supposed yeah. to be the greatest kind of warrior in the galaxy a Mandalorian, you know, it's, it's a lot of posturing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so yeah, I, uh, they come out of hyperspace and, uh, and, and with uh, no warning, no warning. And clearly the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the like the whatever dampeners or whatever to to make sure that everybody the inertial dampeners are yeah. uh, are not powerful enough to to compensate for the maneuvers that uh, that zero puts the ship through and everybody kind of goes flying the child included and yeah. uh, and he kind of whimpers when he hits the ground when it all comes to an end and oh. and you you just like you're just so mad you're yeah. so angry at Mayfeld and Bill Burr, and it's just like, come on. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that that he's probably getting a lot of hate on Twitter for dropping <laughs> the kid. But right. uh
0: um That's when the Mandalorian is able to get him back inside the, the yeah. little quarters there and, and shut him away from everyone else. They're like that's it. Hands off. So Yeah. Um and they don't they don't push it <clears throat> after that, which is nice. <laughs> they back off a bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's at that point that we can kind of I, I i get back into the story. It's yeah. i i liked it. I liked how sort of briefly the character was addressed, um, and it was just kind of like okay, so he is still there. Obviously, we can't just yeah. ignore that the child is on the ship, but uh, and it's gonna come in later. But um, but we kind of we've addressed it, and now it's time to get back into this heist, uh, prison break, storyline. So. Um, we slice into the ship, and uh, and Mayfeld goes first, and I love it because he's like he's like me first, and they're they're like uh, yeah, <laughs> and he's like yeah as always I guess, uh, and uh, and he kind of pops down, and when he does, uh, it's a really good like I don't know there was just something really funny about kind of the way that he pops down holding the thing and pointing the gun, um, and uh, and then we see a couple of these big security droids, the which um. Uh, are modeled after a droid that we saw in A New Hope. Yeah. Uh, but the one that we saw in A New Hope is actually on treads. Yeah. On Tatooine from the from the Sandcrawler, but the we see these ones they're hovering. Yeah. Um,
0: that was they're, that they're was heavy a heavy nice duty. little callback.
1: Yeah. I liked that. Um obviously that's like that's the sort of thing that's there for hardcore's like us. Um that are like, right. "Oh, I've seen that droid before." But <laughs> exactly. the average person is like, "Okay, those are big with Dalek robots, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. The ship definitely reminded me of Dr. Who as someone who watches a lot of Dr. Who, I was like, have I seen this ship in (laughs) Dr. Who? Um, (laughs) I not, no, not quite, but it was, it's very similar. Um, but I don't, you know, they, (laughs) I wouldn't mind a little bit of star Wars in my Doctor Who, And vice versa, um, as a fan of both franchises. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm not a fan of Doctor Who. Doctor Who's for nerds, but uh, but I get what you're saying.
0: Uh, <laughs> Adjust um, nerd glasses. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm dying I made Mike, right here. I made Mike cough or Mike yeah. laugh into his cough. So <laughs> that's Sorry, the folks. hard
1: part is that when I laugh it like then then it brings on a coughing fit. Um, I gloss over. I'm just saying I glossed over the part where uh, where Mayfeld is like maybe he's a gungan under there. Um, oh right. was a great yeah. moment. I, when that happened, anytime a gungin gets mentioned, I think of you, Jason. Uh, uh, I, I, and uh, I mean that in the most complimentary way possible. Thank um, you. I, I, for those who aren't aware, Jason does a very good Jar Jar Banks impersonation. And if Ahmed Best ever wants to hang up that belt, uh, I think that they should just give Jason a call. But um, uh, I don't. These are very flattered. <laughs> I don't get to make <laughs> that
0: call um no unfortunately
1: yeah uh, i i but yeah so they go into this ship this prison ship and uh, i love it i love it because they're like it's a ship and it's a prison ship and like they show it from the outside it's obviously very uniform it's just a bunch of prison cells and a cockpit right, right? and engines so all the corridors are going to be the same right so yeah. let's put a lot of money into these, into this one corridor that we're just gonna basically have a corridor and a T junction, and uh,
0: film and, it from every angle. Yeah, three and, times.
1: Yeah, because we just around the corner, it's a new corridor. Around the corner, it's a new corridor, um, and it just it looked great. It's I, to me, it's one of the best sets that we've gotten in the show. Yeah, I really like that it is familiarly Star Wars, but it isn't. It isn't just an interior that we've seen before. It's a completely new thing. Um, but it, it immediately looks like it's Star
0: Wars. And, uh, and you get the idea that it's supposed to be New Republic because it's white and yeah. not gray. You yeah. know, it, it's not imperial, it's you know or, or separatist or anything like that because it's not yeah. gray or black. It's, it's white. And so that automatically makes you think 10 and four, Rebellion, New Republic. And that to Um, me, that to me was one of the
1: most interesting parts of it is that I did really think I was looking at it and going like this really looks like an imperial design, but an imperial design done in white Um, and not fully imperial because it doesn't have the lights like those, the rounded, like the rounded segmented light strips on the walls, which is like that. You see that, you know, it's imperial or or old republic um, style, right? But it's like okay, it's the New Republic, so they're gonna take on some of the same design aesthetic, but um, but in a friendlier, cleaner fashion, and that's really like the vibe that we got. Um, and then and then I thought one of the interesting pieces, um, uh, we kind of we we cruise down the halls, we see some of these these uh, prisoners, we see an Ardinian, which I thought was really cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, to just sort of add another one of those into the galaxy. Um,
0: no, that's uh, Arginian, piece. That's uh, from Solo, folks. Yeah. For those wondering, yeah, um, uh,
1: John Favreau's character from Solo, yeah. the four-armed monkey. Um, yeah. So I'm... it was really cool to see that. Uh, and then uh, I, uh, we get the moment with the mouse droid, which is always a good moment. Um, yes, you gotta have a mouse droid on a ship. Yep. Um, Berg shoots it, and that alerts the the droids to their presence. And then we get these security droids, and I immediately thought of they're so similar to battle droids
0: but they also had sort of an hk mm-hmm. uh vibe from they, the they old did. republic
1: yeah um yeah and i just i thought that that was really interesting and there they, is a really great piece of environmental storytelling of um here's a here's a new republic prison ship Uh the empire would have had stormtroopers mhm um, the old Republic would have had guards, like right. human guards, and the battle droids were seen as like this almost like unthinkable. Like, what are you do? Like, you would just put droids all over the ship, and um, uh, it's such a cowardly way of doing things. It's so despicable. They don't have a conscience. They'll just shoot. They just follow orders. Um, so the Separatists using battle droids is really kind of painted as this this huge negative but then to see that that's what the new republic is using um and then to think like why would they resort to that and and then remembering like oh they've just fought a war at this point in the story they've just fought a war with the empire and obviously they came out on top but they just fought a war they're going to be low on men uh by men i mean soldiers men and women uh and species of all kinds Uh, But they're low on soldiers. They're low on resources. Uh, This prison ship just manned it with security droids. Um, And I I thought that that was such a great piece of subtext. And at first I go, like, maybe you're reading too much into this. And then I remember that Dave Filoni is associated with this show. And I go, nope, he cares about stuff like that just like (laughs) we do. So, So, yeah, I'm on the right track. That's exactly I'm supposed to infer a lot of this stuff if I'm really paying attention. Um, yeah,
0: so exactly. I really, I really
1: like that. I really like that there was just that little bit of extra storytelling going on, where we, uh, where we can kind of, kind of learn a little bit more about the New Republic and the way that the New Republic operates.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not like they have like a, a prison planet or, or you know, I'm sure there are prisons set up on various planets and things like that. But when you, you know, have been essentially a a Navy and an army, uh, a traveling Navy, you know, a, a mobile force, you know, for so many years, you're, you know, a prison ship also makes sense, you know, too you know, it. I, I doubt this prison ship is really, you know, going from one prison to another. It's probably just in a perpetual orbit or or, or route, you know, and people get sent there. You know, it, it's yeah, it, I, it, this didn't seem like it was going anywhere. It was just on a route. Um, so, you know, that that makes sense as well for the rebellion turned new republic. Well, we don't have a place and we don't want to impose on all these, you know, new uh, local governments by, in, you know, building mm-hmm. our own prisons here. Well, let's just put them on a ship. Because we got some of those.
1: <laughs> yeah. And well, the, and we know that the Empire would resort to like labor camps and stuff like that, that they would that they would put people to work. Yeah. But that doesn't seem like a New Republic sort of thing to do. So
0: it looked like there was an imperial officer in one of the, sh- the cells, too. I think yeah. I noticed that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, clearly, clearly somebody who was trying to escape their past, but, uh, but it caught up with them. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. So, so we kind of, uh, these, these security droids come out and, uh, and the Mandalorian just wrecks shop. He just, yeah. like the others, I love the moment where they're all standing there and they look and they're like, oh yeah, typical. He just, he just takes off. And then we see him coming from the other angle, yeah. And uh, and he just starts ripping into these droids. And Mayfeld tells Berg, like basically motions to Berg, like hold back, like don't uh, don't engage. And yeah. uh, and uh, it's because the Mandalorian's just destroying, but also because like I think they kind of want to just they A I think they want him to wear himself out, and B I think they just want to see what he can do. Yeah, um, like Mayfeld just wants to see what, what this guy's capable of. Right. Um, And it's just it's so great. It's such a great fight scene. It's probably the best one we've got since for since the first episode with the uh, with the the um, the IG11 droid.
0: Um, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Right, like that whole sequence. It's just so well done. I loved it. I loved every. of It was very good. Um, so yeah, he beats the crap out of all those droids. Uh, takes them all out. Um, and then we get to the, to the sort of a, a moment later to the cockpit of this ship. And, uh, and it turns out that it's not just droids, but that, there, uh,
0: Matt Lanter is also on this ship. Yes. Yes. Matt Lanter. Such uh, a great also, reveal. A, otherwise known as Davin. Um, yeah, but yeah, no. Oh, he turned around and the the shot, his initial shot that was so quick. I was like, is that Matt? Is that Matt Lanter? I actually said that out loud. I was watching yeah. the I was watching this, you know, eating lunch um, on Friday, uh, uh, watching it on my phone um, and going, is that Matt Lanter? I said that out loud. Um, and then I just had this big grin on my face. It was like, <laughs> oh, yes, it's him. Um, and of course, he apparently he tweeted out saying Uh ah, Baby Yoda's out of the bag now. Yes, I was in The Mandalorian. Um, so I was very happy to see I really
1: Matt. wish that they would have, as part of the marketing, been like, by the way, keep your eyes out for Matt Lanter at some point. And then all of the speculation would have been like, wait a second, but it's post-Return of the Jedi. How could Anakin possibly be in this? <laughs> and it's like, well, he doesn't play Anakin in live action, you guys. Um, no. Yeah, no, I. it's such a great appearance from him. Um, what a what a wonderful cameo um, and and totally just uh, I, I, for that, funsies.
0: Oh, um, that was that was for people like Mike and I who have been who've been in this fight since we were six years old yeah, or exactly. you know been in this fight since the Clone Wars. Um, so that was purely for us and we appreciate Dave Filoni and the crew of The Mandalorian for it. So
1: yeah, hundred um, percent. So we get into a bit of a standoff. Here of like, well, what are we gonna do? This guy's here; uh, he's gonna cause a problem. Uh, I, oh,
0: and he's got a tracking beacon for the New Republic ships.
1: Yeah, so if he pushes that button, the New Republic's gonna send an attack squad, and uh, and and they're not gonna make it out of there. There's no way they'll make it out of there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, they're all kind of arguing about it and it's like, it's like, how come you weren't prepared for this? And Mayfeld's like, are you questioning my managerial style? She And yeah. Yeah, I just love that. Cause it's such a, like, it's such a mundane way to phrase it. Um, <laughs> but so much like just, just fun. Uh, just, just really great. Um, and again, Bill Burr is just playing this character to a tee. Um, yeah. I'm so happy that they all survive. I, uh, that, well, these three at least survive so that we can see them in season two. Um, yeah. I have speculation about that. I'll get to it later. Uh, but we end up in like this four way standoff with Berg pointing a blaster at the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian pointing a blaster at him, as well as at Mayfeld, Mayfeld pointing a blaster at him and at, at uh, Davin, and Davin just kind of standing there with his blaster out and his, and this tracking beacon in one hand. Yeah. Um, and that's when uh, that's when when uh, Shean throws the knife and and kills him and the yeah. the button gets pushed.
0: Yeah, he, everyone's starting to yell at this point. You know, the Mandalorian yeah. almost has Davin calm down, and yeah. then you know uh, Mayfeld has to assert himself, and then Bert Berg gets involved, and everything just <laughs> you know escalates from there. Yeah. And Shean sitting in a chair, rolling her eyes at everybody, and finally decides to just end the issue once and for all by flinging a dagger into Matt Lanter's heart. Um, oh, poor Matt Lanter, poor Matt Lanter. Um, and, and that's when the button gets pushed.
1: Yep. Yeah, so now we got 20 minutes, we got 20 minutes to get this job done, but it should only take five. So, uh, so they head off. I love, they come around a corner and Berg sees one of those big, uh, security droids that we mentioned earlier. And, yeah. uh, he just runs up on it and, uh, grabs it and throws it into the other one. And just, they just explode. Just yeah. a fiery explosion. And he just kind of is like, yep, that's what I do. Uh, and it's <laughs> just, I, in the notes, I put Berg smash. Cause yep. it's just, he just hulks this thing. And we go, okay, that's why he's the muscle.
0: Um, <laughs> right. We, we still needed that scene. We hadn't seen it yet. Yeah. So,
1: uh, we get to, we get to the, uh, to the, the cell, and we discover that the, uh, that the prisoner that they're rescuing is, um, it's, uh, She-Ann's brother, uh, Quinn. Quinn, uh, yeah. And, uh, and, and, and we get him out and, uh, and that's when the double cross happens and the Mandalorian gets shoved in the cell. And, uh, and we think, oh no, they're, they're going to get away with this. Those, those ne'er-do-wells, but, yeah. uh, of course. And the
0: child is still on the ship.
1: Yes, yeah, we got that that's going to come back in in a second. Yeah. Um uh yeah, cuz zero uh, uh he's been fiddling with this um transmission uh from Karga from Grief Karga and uh, and he kind of finally un- uh, unlocks it and as he does um he just, like the the child's kind of hanging out uh yeah, right. curious in and, the cockpit. Uh, yeah. And uh, and it thus begins a, a game of cat and mouse between a very intelligent droid and a very sneaky child. And yes. uh, uh, it's good fun. It's, it's good, bit good ho- fun.
0: It's a bit home alone, but I love it.
1: Yeah, it's very home alone. Um that's perfect. That's a perfect analogy. Um We <laughs> we uh we, uh, we, we ca- kinda cut back into the ship and the Mandalorian pulls a droid over rips its arm off uses its scomp link access to uh to unlock the cell from the inside which is like why is there a a, a port on the inside but whatever for
0: the cleaning um, droids
1: yeah um sure that's in any case the answer is. Yeah. i'm sure there's some reason <laughs> they, yeah. uh, they uh they uh he gets out and he makes his way back to the, the the command deck and uh and now he's in control of the ship yeah, and uh, and now it's really about to get home alone, <laughs> with uh, with with the Mandalorian in charge, and uh, and we're gonna go through one by one as he just wrecks house with with each of these guys, um, yeah. but Blurg shows up first, and uh, and they get into a little bit of a tussle, uh, the Mandalorian's waiting for him, but he's waiting for him above in in the ventilation shaft, and yes. uh, tries choking him out, but Blurg's a little too strong. They fight. It seems like Blurg's got the upper hand, but then uh, the Mandalorian catches him in the door and uh, you're like, OK, yeah. he got him. And it's I love it because it's like a callback to the first episode when he when he kills that guy with the door. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah. but then we get the the fake out and uh, and Blurg is just sure. like he's just got the door on his shoulders. Yeah, and it just stands back up
0: grinning and yeah. you're like, oh, oh, no. Oh, this is bad. It's still going to go on. And that's when Mando just closes the blast doors in yeah. his face,
1: um, and uh, and and as we discover later, incapacitates him. Uh, yes, I, I, simply but, incapacitates. Yeah. You—that's not what
0: you're led to believe initially.
1: No, no, and we're totally supposed to think, oh, he's he's killing them, but yeah. uh, it's a reveal at the end for for I think storytelling purposes. It's a reveal of yeah. like, nope, he didn't kill these guys. He's he's got a different code now. Um, right.
0: Especially since he made such a big deal about, you know, not wanting to kill anybody, you know, on this job yeah. I- at the beginning. So um, it's it's really good to see that that paid off and that he didn't just go against his code um, when it came to these guys. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But- um, so then next up is uh, is is a uh, uh, she and it's a super boring fight involving knives and then he just beats her um <laughs> no there's nothing really like i i I just found that kind of weird that like the rest of it's all this really cool stuff going on <laughs> and then with her he just wins um but whatever well
0: i mean you know her her weapon of choice are these knives which are cool um and she looks cool wielding them to be honest but what are those knives really going to do against best car
1: yeah Nothing. Um, she so. manages to get one in between the armor. Right. And I think like, that's what she's aiming for the whole time is to get it in between the armor pieces. But uh I, yeah, she gets one in. It's getting late. Sorry. That was a yawn. Um, <laughs> it's a boring fight. What can I say? I, uh, but then he closes the distance and, and takes her out. Um, yeah. And then we cut away. Uh, all the while we've got the, the cat and mouse with zero and the child, Yes. And we're kind of building tension on that he's getting closer and closer I love it I love the moment when when zeros kind of kind of tracking him and he's he's looking and then he kind of looks around the corner and the child is gone and it's like um, it reminded me a lot of like uh, uh, gremlins uh, Gizmo in gremlins mm. yeah. Uh, yeah 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 uh, just as this just kind of the way I, there's very obvious parallels there but just the way that he moves and and all that sort of thing um and we cut back uh, to Mayfeld. Who's uh? Who,
0: who has been essentially, you know, uh, coerced by Quinn to take out the Mandalorian uh, yeah. a- in exchange for everyone else's share of the money? Um, yeah. At this point, because the assumption right now, because they've been they got separated because the Mandalorian's closing doors all over the place. Um, the assumption is that he's already taken out Berg and Sheen, which he has. Um, <laughs> And so Quinn's like, get me out of here. Take out the Mando and you get everyone else's share. And yeah. so Mayfield goes, OK, you better be good for this. And Quinn just kind of laughs and shrugs and walks around the corner. And it's like, oh, that's, you know, reassuring. Yeah. But- <laughs> yeah.
1: Super, super reassuring. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is probably my favorite scene in the whole episode is the, the lights start flickering on and off. And as they do, we see the Mandalorian kind of coming closer and closer and closer. Like, it, it'll be like one frame he's closer and the next frame he's gone. Yeah. It, it was just this great sort of tension building um, moment. Uh, and then and then we don't even really see him do what he does to Mayfeld. And then right. we, we cut back into the ship and... Uh, I, or no, well, we're cutting back into the ship over and over. We cut back to to Quinn, just about to get on the ship, and that's when the Mandalorian shows up, and uh, and Quinn makes makes a deal. He's basically yeah. like, "Look, you got like you want to get paid, you take me back." That's that was the job, like like right. business is business sort of thing. And
0: um, you you won't kill me. You've got a code. You've got honor. You're yeah. honorable, which you know we're starting to question because we think he might be killing these other people right now yeah um at least the way they've been shooting it makes makes you wants you to think that um so but he he does take him back but we don't see that because all we see is what happens on the ship when zero finds the child
1: yeah which i i it's a great moment where we think oh we're gonna get to see the child use the force again um And he's 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 raising his hand up and and focusing. He's got those squinty eyes again. Yep. And uh, and then we just see like we hear a sound and then sort of of see smoke and zero goes down. And it's this great moment where the child like (laughs) looks at his hand like did I just did I just do that? I didn't think I did it yet. Um, (laughs) Such a great performance out of that little puppet. I love it. Um, Um, Such a good moment. I uh, and then, uh, and then, so then we, we head back, we, we the, back. Ma- the, the, Mandalorian shot.
0: Yeah. Zero. Um, yeah.
1: He's got it. He, he's got his quarry and he heads back to, uh, to the, 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 the I'm gonna call it the hubcap. Cause it's kind of like a smaller version of the wheel. Uh, um, ah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I and, I I, the deal's a deal, but, uh, I, I like the no questions asked thing when he's like, where's everybody else? He's like, no questions asked. Um, so the Mando gets his pay, gets back on his ship, and he's heading off. And that's when another double cross happens. And uh, and the dude's like, oh, you, like kill him. Uh, and right. the, the gunship starts coming out. And uh, but then we get uh, we get the reveal that uh, the Mando's p- planted the 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 tracker, the transmitter on Quinn. On Quinn. Yeah. Um, Which and, was great. Yeah. And we see these X-Wings just jump in from uh, uh, hyperspace, these three X-Wings. And we're introduced to three new characters uh, played by Dave Filoni, Rick Famuyiwa, and Deborah Chow, um, these three New Republic X-Wing pilots. Um, Dave Filoni's character is named Trapper Wolf, and that's pretty rad. Um, I love that these characters are canon now. They yeah. exist in the Star Wars universe. Dave Filoni Se- exists as himself in the Star Wars universe. Yes,
0: he does. That was that was great. You know, it, these are all directors of the show. Yeah. Um, Rick, uh me, I can't ever pronounce his last name. Yeah, Fumio. Uh, thank you, Fama Yua, Uh Is of course the director of this episode and a previous episode, and then Deborah Chow directed um, the uh, the Gunslinger, right? No, uh, no, I no, no, she no. Sanctuary. No, nope, Bryce Sanctuary. Dallas Howard did Sanctuary. She did no, the third right. episode. That's right. I'm mixing everything up. But she's also the one who's in charge of the Obi-Wan miniseries. She is. So, um, so yeah. Good uh, hands.
1: I'm, good hands. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's good stuff. You know, you're always going to have in Star Wars these cameos by – Crew and cast from previous movies. You know, you're always going to have a Warwick Davis cameo. You're always, gonna, you know, you uh, know, uh, you had uh, Ben Burt and um, Rick McCallum had cameos in the Phantom Menace. You know, things like that. You're always going to have those, and so it was really kind of nice to see that kind of cameo come back uh, mm-hmm. in in this episode as the X-wing pilots, you know, flew in and you know the the trackers going off in. The thing, they're launching a gunship and so the X Wings go, Oh, well, that's a threat and they just take the whole yeah, station out. I, people I've seen people
1: that are like, I don't understand. Like, why would they come if the tracker's there, why would they come in and just start blowing it up? No. <laughs> they don't S foils are, are not in attack position until until Trapper's like they're launching a gunship. And and there's basically like sort of it's an unspoken thing of like, okay, let's do this. Um, And they all they all lock foils and then they they do their thing and they just take it out and then they just take out this station. I mean, Um, to be
0: honest, they probably, you know, jumped out at the the prison ship, realized something was wrong. Yeah. And then, oh, the tracker's not here anymore. Let's go see whoever it is. You know, let's go see where it is. And that's what happened, you know, so it's (laughs) And, and so they're they're expecting trouble because whoever has the tracker had to have been involved with whatever happened on the prison ship. Um, and so when this space station is launching a gunship, it's like, Oh, okay. They're ready for us. They're going to try and kill us. We have to do something. Yeah. So that's, that's how that worked. Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah.
1: That was my, that was my read of the subject at least. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, so yeah, they make short work of it and then we get a, a, a good, uh, I, Uh, man what moment do we get first i think we get the the i i told you that was a bad idea yes he he spins the little ball (laughs) off of the off of the stick and gives it to the kid and (laughs) uh and and says i told you that was a bad idea um (laughs) i just i love the relationship developing between these two characters um neither of whom like one we never see his face and the other one doesn't speak um right and it's just like I don't know. It's just the lone wolf and cub aspect of it. It's just, it's great. Um, yeah, and then we cut like- back to the prison and we reveal that the, that the three bounty hunter mercenaries are, are, they're still alive. They're just locked up. Yeah. Um, and okay. So this is where I'm going to speculate. I think Good. that that either at the end of the season or, uh, or, uh, in season two, I think whoever we saw at the end of last week's episode, um, with the the Spurs, uh, mm-hmm. I I I don't think that that's Giancarlo Esposito's character. I think it's somebody else. Okay. The one of the going theories is that it's Boba Fett, and I think, I think it actually might be. Um, uh, I oh. be, because we were on Tatooine, and <sighs> and in the new canon, we don't have confirmation that Boba Fett is alive. True. We have we have speculation that boba and, fett is alive
0: and legend
1: yeah yeah you
0: know, Well, we
1: have be. lots in the in the yeah like so because there is a character who has his armor um i can't remember what i think it's in aftermath in in the aftermath trilogy that we find out about this character who's got boba fett's armor but he is not a mandalorian he's not boba fett but he's like yeah. a, he's a heroic character he's like kind of a It's kind of like a a sheriff uh like a like a old west sheriff on some outer rim backwater settlement or whatever
0: um yeah and and that's in one of the uh the little you know excerpt things that that they throw in the the aftermath yeah Yeah, there's
1: like little vignettes in that
0: yeah Um, that's the word i was looking for
1: and i so the implication there is that boba fett somehow got out of the sarlacc or that somebody destroyed the sarlacc went in and took his armor
0: or the or the sarlacc just vomited the armor out.
1: Yes, that's also possible, I suppose. But um, I would love love to find out that that Boba Fett has. This is like, and people know how I feel about Boba Fett. Boba and Django are lame characters. <laughs> Boba Fett has cool armor, but he never does anything cool himself. He tracks the Millennium Falcon to Bespin. That's the coolest thing that he does. In the movies, mm-hmm. um, in Return of the Jedi, he goes out like a punk. He 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 wraps Luke in a cord that immediately gets cut, and then he gets tapped on the back. And those jetpacks—they're awful. They are death traps. Django dies because of a because of a jetpack. Boba dies because of a jetpack. Just jetpacks are bad. Don't get jetpack.
0: Yeah, please, Mando, um, don't yeah. don't get a jetpack. I know you said you need one of those, but yeah. please don't. It's
1: a bad idea. Bad idea. Um yeah. but I uh, but if you brought back Boba Fett this way <coughs> and somehow he's got it out for the Mandalorian um and he's coming after him and IG-11 uh, there is such a big deal was made about like I need to self-destruct. I can't fall into the hands of anybody else. The Mando just shoots right. him in the head. That's not where his core processor is. Nope. Uh, it's in the it's in the chest of of the droid, right? Like yeah, um, like like all of that's kind of shown, I uh, uh, through through the the storytelling, and it's like, well, why would you do that unless there was a reason? Um, yeah, Fennec Shand obviously gets shot in the stomach and falls to the ground, but why show this guy showing up to retrieve her I don't know if there's not a possibility that she'll be okay
0: right um, that
1: she can be right. sort of resurrected also why would you cast Ming-Na Wen as that character if she's not
0: coming back that's crazy Um. yeah no that was my thing it was like she got shot in the gut and yeah. she sort of goes down and kind of falls over slowly and staring at at the the kid there and I'm like uh, okay She's either dying very slowly, which is possible. You could do that from a blaster bolt to the gut. Um, But, you know, she's a smart enough person to play dead, too. Um, And stay that way for a while because, you know, obviously the Mandalorian is coming back. He said he would. Um, And, you know, I, I, I don't know. And then maybe she passed out. Uh, and gets revived by whoever this person shows up. Um, I, I've heard numerous theories. My favorite is that it's Cad Bane, an old Cad Bane, which I would be okay with. Um, yeah, that's that's the other
1: one, and uh, yeah, I'm totally cool with that as well.
0: Yeah, uh, I have been on record as saying Boba Fett is the most overrated character in Star Wars. Um, the, the problem with bringing Boba Fett in is that he immediately overshadows the Mandalorian for, for people who are Boba Fett fans. Uh, And, you know, I, I think, well, it would be kind of cool to have a, a tie in to the movies, a direct tie into the movies by having him in there. Uh, It's, it's like, it would have been like bringing Luke Skywalker in at the beginning of the force awakens rather than at the end, he just takes over. Um, and, and while I don't necessarily think they would let Boba Fett take over in this series, because they're definitely making this about the Mandalorian in everyone else's mind, it's like, oh my gosh, that's Boba Fett. What has Boba Fett been doing? How, well, how has he survived all this time? How, you know, what's Mm -hmm. going on with Boba Fett, Boba Fett, Boba Fett. And then he becomes the story rather than the Mandalorian and the child, which is what's being focused on. And so I kind of hope it's not Boba Fett. That's my personal Uh, feelings on the matter you know i'd be totally fine with it being a a totally new character she did talk about she had to meet her contact um so could this be her contact coming to look for her Mm -hmm. possibly um and then who's her contact um is the the bigger question but i i would rather it not be boba fett personally Uh, because I don't want Boba Fett to take away from the great story and show that we're getting following The Mandalorian right now. So, um, but I do think he's important, whoever this character is, he, she, it will be important. Uh, And I, I think you were heading down this path, Mike. I do think that the three characters that we saw in prison at the end of this episode are coming back next yeah.
1: season. Yeah, and I so I think that this I think whoever that was at the end of last week's episode is collecting everybody that's like like that's on the part of this path of destruction that that the Mandalorian's leaving in his wake. And that yeah. there's some some larger plot going on there and I think that it's all leading towards season 2. Um
0: Yeah, I agree. There, there there's a secondary plot that is being developed that will be the plot for season two. Um, and we're not going to see it really kind of shape up until the end of this season, or maybe even the beginning of next season. Uh, it's, it's sort of amorphous and coalescing and they're giving us just enough teases to show us that something's coming. Yeah. Um, but we have no idea really what it is or who it is or why it is. It just is at the moment. Um, because obviously this season is going to be all about ending up dealing with the Empire and why they want the child.
1: Yeah, yeah. And whatever the that cloner guy was up to and yeah, like how that's all connected into it. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think I. I <clears throat> well, what was I going to say? I was going to say something. I can't remember. I don't know. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. Hate. It obviously wasn't important. But, um, oh, I, Season 2, I think, is coming a lot sooner than people realize. I think we're actually going to so. get Season 2 of The Mandalorian well before we get any other Star Wars content on Disney+. Plus. So, um, yeah, like, I think that people think that we're getting the Cassian Andor series next, but no. that hasn't even started shooting yet.
0: No. And uh, next hopefully...
1: up is Obi-Wan. They've already yeah. got the scripts for Obi-Wan, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're going to get season two of mandalorian uh then whatever the next animation series they've been working on because we can about guarantee they have been working on one they just haven't told us uh and then we'll get obi-wan and cassian after that is my theory and then maybe we'll get a movie a star wars movie on disney plus um you know you think they'll release a film on disney plus I think so. It's only a matter of time. I think I think we're going to get a sort of a quick little standalone movie about somebody that we have met in a previous Star Wars project. Uh, not a main character. Maybe we'll get an Ahsoka movie. Maybe we'll get something like that. Maybe we'll revisit the Clone Wars era mm-hmm. in it. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, I think... <coughs> I yeah. think down the road we're going to get... Uh, a an actual star wars movie on disney plus it'll be sort of like you know your tv movie of the week kind of a deal it's not going to be like a full-fledged star wars film uh because those are still going to be made and released in theaters but i do think somewhere down the road we are going to get a made for disney plus movie in the mm-hmm. star wars universe
1: yeah i mean i could see it happening uh, uh, that would be interesting If they go that,
0: I I don't think that'll be their primary thing moving forward. I think miniseries and and other you know and and full series are going to be the way they primarily go on Disney Plus. But, you know, the amount of you know, original movies that Disney Plus is also making in -hmm. other franchises and other things like that, I can't imagine we're not going to get one for Star Wars eventually.
1: Yeah. I uh I like I actually and I mean people who listen to all the Thundercrack stuff can probably tell I'm really excited for this new format of storytelling. Um, yeah. I both with Star Wars and with Marvel. Um, I'm really excited to see what happens with Captain. Uh, sorry, not uh, with uh, Falcon and the uh, Falcon and and, Bucky. Uh, and and the and the Winter Soldier. Um, yeah. And how that plays out and what the quality level is on that, I expect that to be closer to the quality level of one of the Marvel movies,
0: yeah. whereas
1: like Mandalorian is definitely TV Star Wars. It's not on the same tier, um, just from a scale perspective,
0: yeah. as
1: uh, as the Star Wars films, and Don't. and that and I'm fine. Like I said before, I'm yeah. fine with that. It's more on the scale. It's actually even a lower scale. Than like Star Wars Rebels or Clone Wars because Clone Wars got pretty cinematic like Clone Wars get pretty pretty crazy
0: right and, and and we're not we're not talking about quality in terms of special effects and things no. like that we're just we're talking, talking about, I'm talking about, you know, about like like the amount of people in a scene yeah like because Clone
1: Wars you're getting into like there's thirty clone troopers on the screen and and a hundred battle droids in right. a shot right and like like yeah. in the later seasons of that like with the yeah. um well, in particular the The shot in um um, oh, shoot the the name of the episode's on the tip of my tongue, but the one um, the shot where Obi-wan uh, on Mandalore, he's in the he's in the Mandalorian armor. Oh, and the uh, and the yeah. blast door opens, and the battle is just raging outside. And you're just yeah. like, that's the movies. That's the prequels. like they yeah. did it. like they totally captured the same energy. Um, and and sort of like scale as the prequels managed to to capture, which say what you will about the rest of the prequels, that is something that they did well. Um Right. It might be one of the only things that they actually like nailed was the battle sequences and stuff. Um that and there's, you know there's... casting you and McGregor as Obi Wan.
0: But that's brilliant casting, ladies and gentlemen, because he's coming back and we cannot wait. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, no, the the scale of the Clone Wars was huge and the Mandalorian uh, great effects, you know, movie quality effects. And some of these these, you know, shots with the razor crest, I think. But the scale (laughs) of it, the scale of it's smaller. We're we're dealing with, you know, handfuls of characters uh, or if we have you know more than a handful of characters it's only in one location kind of a thing we're not planet hopping every episode you know going you know three four different places in an episode each with their own you know set pieces and battle sequences and things like that we can't do that on a tv budget even if we are spending an exorbitant amount of money tv wise per episode on this show
1: yeah yeah, it's just yeah, it's 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 definitely uh, a, a smaller budget, and and they're using different kinds of tricks in order to pull off what they are pulling off. Which, like you said, like the effects, the effects in this episode, all the space stuff, they're doing it with practical models, and you can tell, and I love it. It's it's not at like the scale of things is very obviously like oh okay, yeah they're using miniatures, but the authenticity of the Star Wars aesthetic is off the charts as a result. And when they switch from like, Oh, you see the razor crest landing in the thing. And it's, that's very obviously a comp CG shot of the razor crest. Cause things are moving around and like it's doing stuff. And then you, we, we switch to it's out in space, moving away from this space station. And both of these things were clearly shot on a green screen and then composited together. And it's just like, they, they did all the old school tricks. Um, mm-hmm. And I love it. I love it so much because that aesthetic is just so. It's just got such a great quality to it. Um, this physical, visceral quality that that CG doesn't have, um, for better or worse. I mean, like I think like the, there are benefits to to CG as well. But um, and there's room for both pieces of technology and filmmaking. I think. Yeah. But, uh, this is such a great example of. Yeah.
0: I mean, for Uh, example, the baby Yoda is, you know, combination of puppet CG and, you know, all sorts of, you know, different (laughs) tricks, you know, it's yeah, that that's I think, you know, when you when you use combination, you know, effects, essentially, you know, practical and CG. I think that's the best way to go, you know, on any any sort of thing.
1: Yeah, totally. And and uh, this show, I like this show just looks great in general it does um, it can be a little bit dark at times but I, I also think that there's a there's an aesthetic in star wars that sometimes star wars is a little bit dark it's uh it's it's meant to be um a little bit more objective from a from a cinematography standpoint um so so sometimes the lighting can be a little bit i don't know solo i know got real flack for being super dark but I personally think Solo is the best shot. It's not necessarily the best looking, because I think that the Last Jedi kind of kind of outdoes it a little bit. Because the Last Jedi has this great hyper-real look to it, um, just this great cinematic reality to it. But mm-hmm. Solo, the cinematography on Solo and what they did to like primarily use environmental lighting to light those scenes, it's just got this great grounded authenticity to it that I think that. Uh, that that makes it look really really cool um and yeah. really sells that as a world but um but it obviously it it, it leads to uh well, to some of the shots being a little bit darker yeah and this lower, episode, lower quality the
0: projectors <laughs> yeah. in some theaters weren't able to compensate
1: <laughs> that is definitely true um yeah. but yeah I, I i i mean like i guess that's it for for sort of the recap of the episode let's jump into the mailbag. Um, no. I asked, uh, over on, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, uh, you can follow us on all of those at star Wars, FMI, uh, the Mando gets down to business in chapter six, who was your favorite bounty hunter, hunter introduced in this episode? Um, and, uh, Steven Yip, uh, replied over on Facebook, can the X-Wings count as a character? Uh, <laughs> all of them were great in their own way. I enjoyed Bill Burr's Mayfeld probably the most. Um And I responded to him, the X-Wings absolutely count. Um, yeah. Yeah, I loved it. But I actually really liked Zero. Um, he was probably my favorite of these characters that was introduced. Um, and I don't know, maybe we'll see Zero again. We don't really know what happened to him because we didn't really see him get kind of chucked off the ship. Maybe he's just floating I, out in space.
0: I, I can't imagine that uh, the Mandalorian would have left him in the ship. I'm sure he him out of airlock as soon as he was, you know, away from the prison ship. For sure, yeah. <laughs> oh man, as far as my favorite uh, of the bounty hunters, uh, I, uh, I don't know. I'm still figuring that out. Uh, maybe Berg. <laughs> um, yeah, you like him. I, I do like Berg a lot. Honestly, I did like Sheehan, too. You know, she's she's kind of crazy and weird, but I I like crazy and weird characters. They they add a, a different you know, texture or flavor to, to what's going on. Um, and so those two probably, uh, are my favorites of the, the bounty hunters, but to be perfectly honest, my favorite cameo role in this was Matt Lanter, uh, hands down, hands down. Uh, but if we're just sticking with bounty hunters, I'll go with, with probably Berg at this point. Um, you know, the muscle being, you know, what he was and, and all that stuff. Yeah. And getting a Deveronian again was always is always kind of nice.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, this is um, this is maybe the most time that we ever spent with with a single Deveronian character in Star yeah. Wars, except like uh, expanded universe, like comic books and stuff uh, uh, aside. aside. Yeah. But um, yeah. Uh, Yeah. I really liked the idea that like and, and I think this might actually come from Legends but um, the the fact that uh, the fire didn't work on him, yeah, because he's, he's a Devoronian. He's a he's a he's a demon. He looks like a devil, so he's fireproof. Right. Um, <laughs> I thought that was cute. A
0: <laughs> L- little bit of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Stats making its way into Star Wars. It's
1: kind of on the nose, but Star Wars is kind of on the nose, so yeah, I'm, I'm all right with it. I'll allow it.
0: Yeah. Well, wow, that's that's uh, that's T level canon, thunder level, thunderquack level cannon. Yeah,
1: uh, awesome. Well, you know what? That does it for this episode. Um, uh, and uh, w- look, even though the next episode of Mandalorian will be uh, early, um, obviously this weekend's gonna be a little bit crazy. So, uh, we're gonna maintain the same schedule. You can look forward to. The next episode of Faster More Intense, uh, uh, a week from this one, next Tuesday. Um, uh, We're all kind of all set to record. Uh, It's going to be a bit of a marathon day for me and Matt, because we're going to roll straight from our episode of Faster More Intense into our uh, Rise of Skywalker spoiler cast, um, which will also be Faster More Intense. It'll be released on the same feed. Um, So you can look forward to that. Uh and uh and our thoughts on uh on the rise of Skywalker, which is just a mirror at this point it's basically like two and a half days away. Yeah. Like I'm gonna go nuts. to bed in a little bit and wake up and it's gonna be the day after tomorrow. Um which is crazy. Uh yeah. Obviously for those of us who are gonna see it on the Thursday night in the advanced screenings. Right, Um, but uh, listen, if you're listening to this podcast, I don't know why you're waiting until Friday. (laughs) You're a crazy person, and I don't understand. And we shouldn't be friends. Um, Yeah, I got to see it it as soon as possible. I mean,
0: uh, Mike, there's also the possibility that we are the crazy people. Um, I I don't
1: understand. That doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, Um, right, right, right. You know, I'm not crazy. You. it's the world that's crazy right uh yeah why would i do the crazy one no No. um
1: awesome (laughs) not possible yeah thank you so much for for jumping in on this one uh jason i enjoyed this conversation immensely i hope everybody else did um i'll be back next week with matt uh and i think cassie's gonna be on the episode as well um so that's exciting, because uh, 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 she hasn't been on Faster, More Intense yet, just on Rebel Cells. Uh, so yeah, uh, look forward to that. Look forward to lots of Star Wars content coming down the pipe. Uh, I, obviously, over on Rebel Cells, we've got our Star Wars Resistance recaps as well, um, and uh, lots of Rise of Skywalker stuff coming on both Faster, More Intense and the Quack podcast. So uh, go check those out. Go subscribe to the Thundercrack podcast if you don't, don't already. Subscribe to Faster More Intense. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. That would be awesome. Um, that helps other people find us. Uh, and, uh, and share it with a friend. Just, just tell somebody. Just go, hey, I like this podcast. You should listen to it. Um, I, obviously, you can go follow Jason uh, over on the Wampus Lair podcast as well. Yes. I, I there your Twitter is at Wampus Lair, right?
0: Correct. At Wampus Lair, uh, yeah. Facebook dot com slash Wampus podcast or email at Wampus podcast at Gmail dot com. And people can, usually usually yeah, does that. So does it's a little it. weird for me to say it. Uh, <laughs> uh, where can people follow you specifically? Uh, me specifically. Um, I'm not very active on my own Twitter or Instagram, but it's uh, at this is Boyd on both of those. That's B.O.Y.D. Uh, that's a nickname I got from some friends. So if anybody's like, what is that supposed to mean? It's a nickname. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm not particularly active on those. But if you want to follow me, go ahead. Uh, I'm more active on Instagram than Twitter. Uh, but otherwise, you can find me all over the place at Wampus Lair um, stuff. So that's that's where you can find me. And, you know, if you're listening to Thunderclack, you can hear me. On before every episode, um, it's true. Telling you that you're listening to the Thunderquack Podcast Network. He
1: he does that every week,
0: every episode,
1: <laughs> all the podcasts. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, cool. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll, we'll see you guys next week. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Star Wars FMI. If you like what you hear, you can support us in two ways. First, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch, or by heading to patreon.com thunderquack to kick in with your monthly pledge of support. Your pledge gets you early access, exclusive podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you. Faster More Intense is part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Head to Thunderquack.com for more great podcasts.